podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the special Anfield App Review Show, which we're putting out for free uh, this time to Anfield App subscribers. We know we missed the City Talk show last week uh, because it was directly before the Arsenal game. Uh, so we wanted to make a Christmas gesture to those of you who listen to what we do on a regular basis, uh, but don't yet subscribe to the Anfield App's player. But why not? This could be a perfect time to do so. The Reds are doing really, really well at the minute, notwithstanding that dismal draw at Arsenal in the end. But we try to do so much content around the game for you. Every single game we do previews and we do this review. That's the last thing we do. We do a post-match show and the free show that you listen to as well. That one or City Talk for midweek games. To look at the game in as many different ways as we can and also find something that you can grab as a Liverpool supporter. That's what we want to be for you. You don't have to listen to all the shows. That's not how this works. But if you have been thinking about it, then now is a perfect time to subscribe. With the games coming thick and fast, before we all get to take a deep breath between Everton and Manchester City. It is only £5 a month, uh, so please do consider it the anfieldapp.com forward slash subscribe. Let me hand it over now to Rob Gutman, who's hosting this review show. Uh, thank you very much for listening anyway to the Anfield Rap. I hope you've had a lovely Christmas. Have a great new year as well. Uh, we'll be around. It's the review show post-Swansea. It's me, Rob Gutman, review, reviewing this one with uh, Sean Rogers, Carl Kopak and Neil Atkinson. I think we've got a strong team out today, a man more than usual. Um... <laughs> Where to start, boys? Uh, Sean, no selection surprises, really. Although it's notable that Mane is, again, the first to be rested. Do you think he's being protected? Slightly. I mean, what you could argue, is he is he being protected because he's looking at Burnley and thinking, I, you know, I think he's going to want him to start there. I think with it also with his run of form recently, not quite finding his rhythm. I do wonder whether he's maybe been... Where I think he's been guaranteed some games, probably maybe say, look, you're sitting this one out, which is, oh, I, I want to play. But maybe you're playing Everton and you're playing Burnley, that kind of man management for him, really. Take a breather, but you've got your guaranteed games coming. And I know quite a lot of people, when you're rotating players or leaving them out or moving them round, it's obviously a negative conversation, isn't it? So mm. if you can give them that little bit of buy-in and, and guarantee of where it's next coming, I think you do that. So to a certain extent, he might be being a bit protected from himself because we haven't seen Mane be a bit, in his own little way, a bit down on his luck a little bit. And I think he's just starting to maybe not play on instinct and maybe second-guess a few things. So I think taking him out the firing line, putting him back in, is quite sensible. I also think against Swans, he's probably thinking to himself, low-block team... Do I need Mane's pace for that, as opposed to say well, you for could argument's drop Salah. sake? Yeah, I mean you, you could either or. No, of course. I think with the days, the days recovery here, I, th- I think he could just pick whatever team he wanted last night potentially. Um, and if he'd have known what the score was going to be, you can go okay. Well, you maybe take a few more more risks, but you don't know that without the benefit of hindsight. I think he's looking at them little games: Leicester, Burnley, Everton. That's where he's got to get all the rotation in it. And so I, th- I think he, he's protecting them for those games, but also maybe protecting them for himself. Because if he'd have had a game last night and things hadn't gone well, he needs money for them three games. So you don't want him to to get any more less confidence as such. I think you take him out the final and put him back in. Neil, I mean, where do you sit on the man? I think. I mean, I know, I know, people will, will will jump on the fact that his form hasn't been as maybe electric as it was at the beginning of the season. But you watch, I watched the Arsenal game back in full. Mm. He's contributing an awful lot still. Uh, I, but I do think he's possibly the one who's most fragile in terms of his body at the moment, I given, given a recent injury. I think there's definitely something that might be around them, just trying to trying to give him as much time as possible to recover uh, from either an injury or in a game-to-game sense. And that's yeah. the first thing. But I think the second thing is, I think I watched the Arsenal game back as well, and one of the things I took from it was that 
he was contributing, but he's doing lots and lots of middle third contributing. Yeah, he's, he's not doing a ton of final third contributing. And I, I wonder if, as Sean says, listen, our issue against Swansea was never going to be the path from the middle third into the final third in a dangerous way. Mm. We were going to get into the final third because they were going to let us. Uh, mm. Because that, if, if, if you're going to sit as deep as they were at times, then you're going to get you're going to get in the final third. And I sort of wonder if he's just thought. If there's one to miss out this one, it's it's that it's it's him. And I think in general, I think Mane is actually sli- ever so slightly now finding himself the odd man out. And the reason why I say that is because I think he wants Firmino and Coutinho on the pitch together as much as possible. I think he sees that as something which works for him. It's the first thing. Then the second thing is, well, he's got the league's top scorer, or at least up until yesterday, the league's top scorer. So you pick the lad who's the league's top scorer, if there's any sort of shadow of a doubt. So I think that Mane is in a little bit of a position at the minute where he's not one of these two Brazilians. You can see how much they love passing to each other and playing with each other mm. and the way in which they run off each other and create space for each other and he, he's, he's not as prolific as Salah at the moment and he's not he's arguably a little bit more of a midfielder than Salah is Salah is more of a forward than a midfielder um, Sané maybe a bit more of a midfielder than a forward albeit one with a really good goals to games ratio so I think at the minute and it is very much at the minute I think a combination of all of this the injury the games that are to come the idea that he may well want to be able to say to Mane I, you know, we're going to come on to talk a little bit about what we think he's going to do against Leicester but I think against Leicester he's going to go it wouldn't surprise me if he goes something pretty similar and then none of the other three possibly play against Leicester sorry, play against Burnley and then it becomes right go on Sadio you're going to win us this game you are the main man we are making you the entire focus of this operation you're going to go and, and cut loose there so I think all of this stuff you know I think it all bleeds into the decision that he makes and I don't, as I say I don't think we should be panicking about it worrying about it the idea that we get to be a bit seasonal with a player to drop him out that's a huge positive and I remember watching you know United teams under Ferguson and when they had Rooney, Tevez, Berbatov and Ronaldo and some lads would just go just disappear for five, six games at times and, 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 yeah. you, and you'd just be thinking and, and it might be off the back of a slightly bad run of form but then they'd come back and you'd be going how are you meant to live with this? They've just brought him back Solskjaer. and that's what, that's what they, yeah. they, they do with Solskjaer all the time He could, he could be January's man couldn't he Marnie? Yeah. This January I mean another factor Carl is um, Oxlade-Chamberlain has been banging on the door here really quite vigorously yeah. and, uh, and, any, and any opportunity to drop him in he feels like he should be dropped in now yeah, I mean, the thing about Oxley Chamberlain is really weird because he's suddenly gone from where does he play to he's, he's number one name in midfield these days. If you, you'd think the captain would sort of start if he's fit, but um, he's, he's just gone from sort of where's he going to play? Is he playing the left of a midfield three? Is he going to push him up? But is he going to play him behind or deeper? Because he can play absolutely everywhere. He has no. Do, he played wing back for Arsenal when he needed to, and now he's basically. He's gone. He's gone like past chance, as far as I'm concerned. And when Aldum is going to play central midfield for Liverpool, and I think that that's a glorious thing. And and when you when you said about Mane, it's just it's just gone the other way. Because I, th- I think the Mane thing is partly I think it's, it's the game yesterday. Because if we can't if we can't beat that Swansea seed side at home without Sadio Mane, what the hell's going on? And also I think it's a bit of a celebration about last year because I think he would have loved to have rested Mane this time last year, but he had no chance. He couldn't do it because he was basically doing most of the football on his own. Last year, but well, we lose to we lose to them, don't we? This this fixture last year to Swansea because Without, with Mane less. Yeah, you're right. Because he he's gone, and that's when, that's when we what one, one one win in ten or something in January, and uh, I think it's I think it's a really bold statement now. We can actually rest Sadio Mane and not be that big a deal because the other three up front are geniuses. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, we've got like loads of midfielders now. If you want to class Mane as a midfielder. Okay, well, let's, let's, let's come on to look at the, the, the shape of central midfield and discuss that in detail a bit later on. Let's get, into the, get stuck into the game itself, Sean. Uh, 
Neil said that Swansea were deep, and they, they were deep at times because Liverpool pushed teams deep, but I didn't think they, they, their approach was overly defensive to start with. They, they had a positive-ish mindset but, and paid an early price for it, quite frankly. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, Leon Britton, I think, said recently that Swansea have maybe got away a little bit from the things that made them Swansea. Mm. In essence, and they used to have you know the philosophy and everything coming down from the board, where you could bring these coaches in like Martinez, uh, Rogers, and and they'd stick to a certain philosophy, they play a certain way, and therefore there was a bit of um, consistency, I suppose. You get the impression from the comments from Leon Britton having been in there that maybe the last few coaches have started to just tweak things and change things. Now that may well be the case. But you're only as good as recruitment. It doesn't matter who you are, what you do. Mm. You could be the greatest coach in the world, the greatest man manager in the world, but recruitment is everything, and especially recruitment in, in both penalty areas. And I think you look at the the Swansea team under Rodgers that came to Anfield and, and probably in part contributed to him getting the job, maybe in a, in a slightly in a similar way to Rafa's Valencia team. And a comp- look, they weren't anywhere near as impressive as that and they haven't got the squad of that. But that game, Swansea's tactical shape was far better than Liverpool's. Joe Allen ran the show that day. They're probably a bit unlucky not to, not to get three points. And I think that's fine when you've got, you know, Joe Allen and the likes of, you know, Sigurdsson mm. and top players like this. You can see how weak they are. To be fair to them, the way they set up in Bournemouth, I feel really sorry for them because I don't think there's an excuse for people not trying to play uh, in the Premier League. I think those days are Hodgson, Moyes, Allardyce, etc., etc. You know, there has to come a time when that that goes for the better. The sad thing for this is the teams watching them play against Liverpool. Never in a million years are they going to want to set up like this because they're going to look at Allardyce and Everton, and then they're going to look at this. And they're going to look at Bournemouth and go, these guys could hit you for six, seven, eight, and we can't afford that, which is fine. I actually think their biggest problem isn't the fact that they want to play. I think Bournemouth and Swansea have just completely played in the wrong areas. And I think especially when you're a team low on confidence, coming up against a team like Liverpool, the last thing you need to do is be feeding that ball into central areas in your own half. And, and, you, and you look at the goals last night, I, th- I think four of the five are just giveaways of, of possession by Swansea in their own half of the pitch. And if there's one thing you don't want to do against this Liverpool team, it's that. By all means, it, you, you can hit your diagonals, even Guardiola hits his diagonals to create room, and you can still play against this Liverpool team. And I actually think if you play in the right areas, that's your best way of hurting this Liverpool team. I think if you're going to do anything, you need to try and get the ball into areas where you can get our centre-backs into wide areas and try and hurt us with pace in, in behind our full-backs and, and try and move that midfield around a little bit. But you can't do it the way that they did it. And, and that's a shame, I think, because a lot of teams are going to look at that and go, I can't play that way, and I can't play that way against Liverpool. And to some extent, they're right, but... I think I think it goes a little bit further than that. I actually think that if you, I'd love to, you know, it'd be great to get time with Britain and ask him what he thinks they do well in the game because I actually think they have a good spell from about fifteen to thirty-five, yeah. doing what Sean yeah. actually refers to. They move the ball quickly through the middle of the pitch and Messer in particular. And I thought Messer played well uh, for the first hour before he tired. And I think this is another factor. I think that they. They were doing all right. They were shifting it, and they were they were they were pinning us back. And the, and I think it helped that Cham was clearly carrying a little knock throughout that period. But we were actually they were getting us into little pockets in front of our fullbacks, and we actually defend quite well. It's important to say we defend quite well, but we're not 
it's not comfortable at that stage. Yes, we're we're defending well and we're playing all right, but they're actually it's a contest and it's one nil to us and it's a contest. And I think that two things sort of happen. One is that they don't get any joy from that because they haven't got any players. You know what I said before about Mane. Mane's brilliant at getting you from the middle third into the final third. They haven't got any players who are good at that. So if you you, you know, Messer looked to me like the sort of player who's good at getting the ball off his centre backs mm. and then getting the ball into the middle third and getting you on the front foot. Playing quite early, a lot of semi blind passes he was doing, clip balls over people's heads as they're beginning to come in and press. He's you know, that's his background in Spain. And as I say, I was quietly quite impressed with him for the first hour. And they're doing that, and that bit works. And then when it comes to the next bit, you know. When when Routledge, who's been there now for what feels like ten years, is your most is, At your, least, mo- yeah. <laughs> is your most exciting player and your best outlet, and you know there's a reason why no one's ever had a look at Wayne Routledge, yeah. and all these, you know, and he's just a blind alley merchant. But at least he, you could see what he was meant to be sort of doing against Robertson, and he gives him a couple of difficult little runs. But that's it. That's the beginning, middle, and end of the threat, and that's where I think you know I'm looking at that, and and, and I'm just thinking to myself, we're all we're always going to be all right here. And that isn't to say that you can't play football against us because I really do think you can. I agree with Sean. And as I say, I think I think if, if Britain was sitting here, he'd be saying, yeah, they were doing what I wanted in that phase. What I didn't want them doing was being sloppy as anything and playing daft, lazy balls into the middle third when lads are just about to be pressed by three of you. And, and by the way, a lot of those players who are playing those passes can see the pitch. And I'm just yeah. wondering, what are you doing there? When they hit the diagonals out to Ayew and Olsen in particular, they've got a good shape when they do that. And when they got the ball into their areas, it was a bit like uh, the Brendan Rodgers and the Rafa 4-2-3-1. You can kind of see that mm. they get the ball out wide, they look to get their overlaps going, get the 2v1s going and then play inside. But like Neil said, they've got nothing on the end of the jab. They've just, they've just got no talent in either penalty area, which is why they are where they are. And the other problem they've got is what playing that way was totally fine, but channeling that into, into centre midfield... In the way that they did, when the lack of co- la- the lack of confidence is there, mate, it was easy pickings for us. By contrast, Carl, just stepping back a little bit, Liverpool were ruthlessly efficient in terms of taking the game by the scruff of the neck early on. The, the goal itself, we do have to sort of pause to, to consider it, I think. It's a mini masterpiece, and not just because of the sublime fim- finish, which we're now beginning to take for granted. Yeah, quietly. That's Coutinho. a problem, by the way. Sorry? That, I think that really is a problem. Well, OK. But I also think, as an example, Liverpool uh, Liverpool's counter-pressing at its very, very best, and, and the sharp, incisive vertical passing at its best vertical-ish it's a, it's, it's a little masterpiece of Liverpool goal it, it's one of the glorious things I, I love about, about the way that Klopp plays is because um, it's, very, it's very similar to the way Mascherano played and basically if that ball bubbles half an inch off your shin that's our ball yeah, and I love watching yeah. us do that and to have someone who can you know do the finish as well but I mean it, it, it's, it's Swansea they basically gave the goal away but at that point you think you're safe but it's a lovely dive by their lads by the way by IU it's a fantastic dive and uh, we've got so much to do there. And you think, you know, as Sean was saying, there, the, the way they've set up, and I think they, they should be okay to deal with that. But when you can, when you can, it, it's one thing having to deal with the press, but you've got to deal with that finish too. And yeah. in some ways, the, the, the finish is the easier part in some ways. But it's just the way, you know, six minutes in, and we're basically, we're, we're standing all around there, lads, because he's come inside too much and doesn't know what to do, so he just falls over. Um, it's interesting though the ref. I mean, at Arsenal last week, sitting in the stand behind you, I know being partisan, notwithstanding, um, 
there's about 10 situations where the whistle of the ref blows against us for the way Firmino nicks that ball yeah. for the first goal. Yeah, I thought he looked a bit surprised, to be honest, Firmino. He did. He looked, well, Firmino. Yeah. He, he, he just, to, he to just looks down to go, and go, really? He spent okay. the whole afternoon last week at the Emirates not getting that decision. Yeah. He gets but, done for the same thing about five, six minutes later, sort of Annie Road and yeah, top left right, corner yeah. of the penalty. And I was like, wow. <laughs> I, love, I love the way Salah just fizzes it into Coutinho with yeah. such, such venom that he's going, I know how good you are and this is how good I am. Yeah. And he, he almost hits it so hard he forces his control to make him then take the shot. Yeah. And there's an element of that, but I think the other thing that strikes me as well is the fact that they are grouped. And all the way through the game, the other thing I noticed, and again, it'd be great to speak to Britain, almost Britain's more interesting after this game than Klopp, not least because you still get the impression he's not taking the idea he's going to be a manager of this club right now that seriously. The number of times that you'd see Swansea players grouped around Liverpool attackers... I thought was 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 unreal in that what it tells you is they're not doubling up, they're tripling up. And what yeah. that means though is, well that means there's gonna be space somewhere else. And all the time I think Salah gets the most of the treatment throughout the game. They were obviously terrified of Salah. They've seen this they've seen the reels. That's one of the things of having the top scorer in the country. That's one of the things that actually does for you. Is everyone's walking into the game going, This is how we're gonna deal with this fella. But even, you know, through, right the way throughout it, whenever that's happening, it's hard to keep a decent defensive shape if you're tripling up on people. If that's the, what you've got to do, you're just taking your own players out of the game at that stage, and and, and that's how you can profit. Feeding, I mean, something that was interesting about Firmino in that little role, and that's something that I think they'll try, hopefully they'll work with Solanke on. I can't think of a, a number nine striker who is so adept at positioning himself between the holding mids and the centre-backs, and there's normally four or five players in that region, and he can kind of occupy all of them and cut off passing lanes and position himself in such a way that he's kind of no more than ten yards away from any of them, and he'll let the sort of centre-backs move the ball to each other, and at the right kind of time, just sort of cut two or three options out, and the amount of times, Rooney, to be fair... Uh, when he had a bit more legs, was was really good at that. At United at being able to um, press backwards, if you like, onto their mid centre midfielders and nick the ball back for you. And and Klopp was interesting after the game that he said, I keep kind of the asked him about Firmino and the goals he scored. He said, I keep sort of looking to pull him out, and then you go, but I miss this and I miss that. And I think you can get players who will score those goals, and I think they've got a lot of faith in Solanke. But I think. If relevant of looking at the goals Solanke scores, I think what they need to do is make him another facilitator. And that's going to be really difficult because not a lot of coaching goes on on that and so much of it is down to Firmino's brain and his temperaments and everything else. I think that's what... If we could get Solanke to do that, that job, because it's so good for the team and what he does, then you might be able to sort of rotate Firmino out that little bit. And I think, like Neil was saying with Salah... I thought it wasn't as evident in the second half, but in the first half it was we were set up like four three three. I don't know if this came across on telly, but then every time we got the ball, we almost looked like a four four two in that Salah's making his run diagonal, sort of onto their left sided centre half, and Chamberlain's trying to hit the touch line and go round the outside of him, and we're starting to see that little triangle. I think of Firmino, Oxley, Chamberlain, and Salah. Yeah, you know, last year it was sort of Coutinho, Wijnaldum, Milner who had a really good. Um, Understanding of each other's game, and we were quite. And obviously, we had Mane's raw pace down the right hand side, but that was kind of just Mane being Mane. I think Oxley, Chamberlain, Salah, and for me, and I was really interested watching them last night. I think, I think if we had a game a week, then that could be quite a devastating little triangle there. Neil, we were just beginning to touch on this before we came on air here. The central midfield, I think you said people around you in the ground were, were giving a chance and Wynald, some stick. It was the same around me. It seemed that Liverpool were. were 
frustrated that the ball was coming back too readily, that Swansea were beginning to dominate, if anything, in the, in the middle third. Are we being harsh on Chan and Wijnaldum? I mean, there's a marked in- improvement in Wijnaldum, for example, in the second half, so it suggests something wasn't quite right. I think first and foremost, I think that Chan's got a knock from about 25 to 40. Yeah. And for me, it's really strange that no one gets a grip of the situation. And I don't know whether or not he's communicated to the bench, it's just a bit of a dead leg and he's going to run it off, or if if he is struggling. And I think it's worth pointing out that he actually, under the circumstances, I was watching him deteriorate uh, from my seat in the, in, in the lower centenary. And I was watching him, just sort of watching his his mobility deteriorate across the course of the, the sort of the, the, the 10, 12, 13 minutes, however long it was, before he actually goes down and gets treatment. And it's when he finally lunges for some that he makes he doesn't want the ball back he gets a pass back to him it's a bit of a pig's ear he has to sort of lunge to get there and then he stays down so I think that it's firstly it's worth acknowledging that that he acts that I think Cham plays well in that period of time considering the fact that he's not that he's clearly not 100% fit I actually think he's doing okay but the other thing is as well I think there's two other aspects one I think we're quite happy for them to have the ball and want to play in that period, in that we're thinking we're going to nick it back and we're going to counter and before you know where you are, boys, you're going to be 2-0 down. And I think that sometimes, because we want to see a Liverpool side be so front foot, I think most teams, you want to see the home side look like they're desperate to, to be so front foot and to dominate, then that can be difficult to watch. And I think a crowd can find that difficult to watch because you can be thinking, well, come on, boys, we should be running the show, we should be penning them in, we should be doing this. Whereas it might actually have been in our interest a little bit for us to think, well, if they want to play and they're decent middle third footballers, that's fine, but we'll get our moments and we'll hopefully be able to break on them. That's the first. And the second thing is, as I said before, I actually think they just play quite well in that period and that sometimes, every now and again, sides are just going to play quite well against you. And yeah, there's maybe a couple of 50-50s where our lads could lash, really lash in, in a way that we're they wouldn't be able to control the ball after the fact. And that's the other thing as well. Klopp doesn't just want you to win it. He wants you to win it and be carrying it out of the tackle. Mm. And I think, if anything, I think at times there's a bit too much of a focus on that. There's been a couple of times this season, I think Henderson against Chelsea on a couple of occasions could have just done with with, with absolutely smashing into someone and not worrying about the consequences too much. All of that, I think, filters into this. But I think there is something else as well, which is that there's a... There's a desire for a centre midfield that sort of doesn't quite exist anywhere. It might ever so slightly exist at Manchester City, but there is a desire, no matter what collection of centre midfielders we put on the pitch, for a sort of centre mid performance that this side. Use Benitez as an example. Benitez is a manager and still is and was a manager who was obsessed with centre midfields. That he felt that if you win centre midfields, you win the game. And that was it. That was his entire focus. You know, he loved. He, he wants you to be compact. He wants you to, your line to be right. Obviously, you work a lot on shape. But you know, you look at the history of Benitez as Liverpool manager. He has his best season in the league when he's got his best centre midfield. That's mm. the 0809 side when he's got Gerard, Mascherano, uh, Gerard leading uh, at, the, at the middle of the three. Mascherano, Alonso holding, Lucas coming in and out and doing bits. His second best season 0506 when he's got Alonso, Sissoko, Gerard. He's still got one more season with Didier Man. Mm. He's obsessed with centre midfield, and so the centre midfield, because he's a great manager, your centre midf- and these were really great players. Your centre midfield would look really, really good all the time. Jurgen Klopp doesn't care that much. He doesn't care as much. He doesn't want his centre midfield to be the dominant force on the pitch. He wants his attack to be the dominant yeah, force absolutely. on the pitch. And therefore, yes, firstly, in terms of recruitment, he's going to get better attackers. He's going to put his money on the attack, his energies into the attack. You know, Benitez, I'm, I'm talking a lot. Benitez is first signing. In the summer of his biggest signing, sorry, in the summer of of '04 when he comes in, the the lad he lashes eleven million quid on his Xabi Alonso, mm. and that that's his, that's move, his, yeah. that's his first move. But it, it remains his biggest signing, I think, as Liverpool manager uh, in terms of fee spent 
until I think it might be Torres. I think there might not be another player. So the 0506, we don't go mad in terms of spending a fortune on anyone. Six million quid on Reina. 0607, I don't think he goes absolutely mad on anyone. I think it might be around 10, 11 million. He gets count, but, for but count, in, 10, in relative terms, Alonso is. Yeah. There's inflation after yeah. yeah. So I think that's what you're looking at here. And I think that we're, we're constantly comparing this Liverpool side because the team we've all watched the most, apart from this Liverpool side, is old Liverpool sides. We're constantly comparing this Liverpool side to old Liverpool sides. But that's not the focus. It wasn't the focus of Brendan Rodgers. And it's not the focus of Jurgen Klopp. They want great attackers. And I've got one more little thing on this. For years, cite Ferguson again. People used to say about Ferguson, he's got to buy a centre mid. After Keane had retired, they bought Carrick. They were garbage. And all you used to hear was they've got to buy a centre mid. He's got to buy a centre mid. He's got to buy a centre mid. Every summer, Ferguson's going to buy a centre mid. And then he'd go out, he'd go out and he'd buy another centre forward and two wingers. Mm-hmm. And everyone would say, oh, he's cocked this up and then he'd win the league. And. Uh, I think that that, you know, I think all of that sort of filters, there's different ways to do this, but there's loads of people in the ground, loads of Liverpool supporters, and we can all, occasionally we'll all fall amongst them, who are basically saying, I wish you were more like Graeme Souness. That's what we're all basically saying. And what that that's just not fair on these lads, and I'll, I'll be as guilty of it as anyone else at times. And so I think that Channel and Haldem, Oxley Chamberlain, they all play perfectly well. They all have solid six, seven out of ten games. And if you're having a six or seven out of ten game and you're not doing much wrong, and you've got those lads up front, you, you're gonna win. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna, you should be winning eighty percent of your homes. Do you not, do you not think they'll just playing devil's advocate with you for so that you know they're, they're also not just looking at okay, Sunis is cited because he's our, our legend in that position, uh, but there's N'Golo Kante at Chelsea. Bakayoko improving. United have got have got the likes of Pogba and a world record. Pogba's, Pogba, 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 Pogba clearly looks great. I think Kante. Listen, I'm not a, I'm not the biggest. I'm not as big a fan of Kante as other people are because I think if you pressure pressure him in possession, he can look a bit daft and he can give it away cheaply. Mm. And I've seen Liverpool sides do that. But in general. Uh, we've dominated Arsenal in midfield every other time we played them recently. Um, I I would rather have our lads than Wanyama and Dembele. I would rather have our lads than Wanyama and Dembele. They're playing for Spurs. Bakayoko's not been great so far, but they've done all right at Chelsea. De Bruyne is unreal, and he plays to me like a Gerrard who's unfettered by all this bullshit about where his best position is or having to captain his boyhood club. It's not a sentiment, but, really. but he's well, he's an attack. He's playing in there, yeah. and that's what he's using. He's dropped him back in. You know, but Fernandinho's thirty-two. I'm not saying we, my point is, you know, I'm not looking around and going there's an absolute huge gulf between what we've got and what anyone else has got but we don't say that what we think is there's an absolute huge gulf in our minds between five stellar Graham Souness performances and what we're watching week in week out we're going into 2018 now aren't we see so, you know we're not going back to the 80s looking at wheel and McMahon like Neil said you only have to go back 10 years to your, your Mascheranos and Alonso's and basically everyone was trying to play and everyone was trying to do that thing if you look at Mourinho was doing it then as well, four centre mids. Yeah, 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 completely. And don't get me wrong, I think there's a case to be made in any squad for variety. But having a top player that's willing to be a bit part player and can then come in and deliver the goods as and when you need them to close a game down or see out or twenty minutes away from home, whatever. That's something really, really difficult to sell for a start. To get them is is difficult. But the game's changing. You know, I think you're gonna if Michael Carrick's coming through now, he's being groomed as a centre half. I think if he's at the right club. And I think the likes of your, you know, you look at midfielders 10 years ago, Iniesta, Xavi, they've changed the game. You look at Pep Guardiola, one of the first things he's desperate to do is move Philip Lahm into midfield um, and play Philip Lahm in centre mid because he wants him to be able to drift out into them wider areas mm. and see how comfortable he is on the ball. You look at Silver and De Bruyne, imagine going back 10 years and saying to Rafa Benitez, you're going to come up against a midfielder with two number 10s playing centre mid, or albeit with... 
a type of sitter behind them. And you look at this Liverpool team with when Coutinho's in there, you look at them with Oxlade-Chamberlain in there. Lallana. Gigi Wijnaldum played as a 10 and a left winger. We signed him as centre-mid. Adam Lallana's a perfect point. So I, I think when people are saying about signing midfielders, if, if you're bringing players through the academy now, or you're looking to sign a 21, 22, 23 alleged FSG type player, you've got to look at where the game's going to be in three, four, five years' time when that player hits his peak and the game's going to keep getting faster, yeah. the pitch isn't going to get any bigger, <laughs> the goals aren't going to get any bigger, although there's probably an argument they should do, that's pro- probably one for another show. Um, because we, were all, we were all midgets when they started setting up the goals, mate, and the pitches, we're, we're not anymore. Um, you look at the midfield areas, things are going to get more and more compact, tactically better, you're going to need even more skill, it's going to get more like futsal probably in that centre midfield than ever before, and I think... Our idea, our concept of what you want in a centre midfielder, I just think is in the past. It's not in the future. I think you do need a bit of variety in there, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But when Lionel Messi starts winning the pressing stats and starts running 11 kilometres, and you, you know, this luxury play is gone. And when Lionel Messi's doing that, you can get your number 10s and your wide men in the centre midfield area, being just as talented as pressing and intercepting. And we're seeing that, especially with Oxley chamberlain the way that he's modelling his game. I think you're going to see much more recruitment. A bit like, you know, we sign Ray Kennedy as a striker, don't we? He ends up playing left wing. Mm. Do you know that kind of... You yeah, know, Liverpool, new, Liverpool go out and sign like a mad right-back and he ends up playing centre mid. I think you're going to see teams signing these number 10s and wide men and going, that's not where I want you to play. Carl, let's... Back back at uh, the game just after <laughs> half time. I've, I've, I know we're we're going to go around the houses here. Tr- trust me, the, uh, the whole football world is going to be encompassed uh, within this this hour. We've, um, we've already changed the goalpost, literally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very. <laughs> how you did that, Sean? Imagine going to FSG. You're going to need to move all these stands back, boys. Making the pitch bigger. <laughs> Give uh, us six years, lads. Yeah, my, my head can't cope with that debate. There's many debates, but not that one. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, Liverpool are more aggressive after half time. I think Klopp's clearly said that to them. Notwithstanding, we're, we're prepared to, to stand off Swansea, let them come at us after the goal, uh, and it gives them, and they're good, and it gives us that period. We are more aggressive, and it reaps dividends. We get at two 0 despite what's said about this Liverpool having a soft centre and, and being psychologically vulnerable. At two 0 it does genuinely feel like game over, doesn't it? it oh doesn't... yeah, yeah. There's no panic. There's, there's no oh god, what happens if at this point? Because they were I mean, Neil's right. They, they they had a little spell. They thought they were really good, but you know that they haven't got a centre forward on the pitch who's going to come and hurt us because for a start he can't get the ball so because they just didn't put the ball into him enough and at half time there's a definite case of come on let's just finish these off shall we and at 2-0 everyone's just looking at the third and against the bigger clubs the clubs we've messed up Seville things like that there's always been a, a, a tiny element of well quite a strong element of what happens if they just get one in off someone's arse here or something like that then it's all going to go to pot you're not going to get that against Swansea I mean but on top of that, the reason we feel more confidence in those situations, which no one wants to talk about too greatly, is the fact we've only conceded three at home this season. Yeah. We're an incredibly good defensive unit at home. Yeah, I, th- I thought we def- we didn't have a great deal to defend against yesterday, but I thought we did really well defensively. I thought we moved the ball up really well into, into midfield. and um, I don't know if we're going to talk about Clavin at some point, but I thought he was just really strong and dominant yesterday. I thought he really, really helped out. I mean, I noticed um, there's only a few minutes for the, for the goal, in fact, he, he placed this, this glorious ball into the box from there. I think that there's, Carl's right to mention Clavin in that. I think that Clavin's the most marked 
improvements in terms yeah, of where really. you've seen him come from. I think if you, I think being Clavin's really interesting. Though I, was, I can't remember who it was, but there was a game where someone was saying to me, and he's captain of Estonia, and he should be taking more of a lead on X, Y, and Z, and he should be more mature. But if he's captain of Estonia and we've got him from Augsburg, I think it's really interesting as a case study that basically Ranjar Clavin's not played that many games of football in his career, in his senior career, where he's been on the better team by a mile. Yeah. And I think that he's now settled a little bit this season into the idea that, hang on, me and my boys are better than these players who we're playing against. And I think he's he, he is mostly doing his stepping out yeah. and claiming the ball ahead of the man stuff really, really well. It's new for him, that. Yeah, it's new for him, but let's be clear, there's going to come a point in the next few games where he's going to do it and it's not going to work. And then everyone's going to go, what's he done that for? So let's while you're praising him for doing this thing really, really well, there's going to come a point where he's going to do it less well. And then you're going to be going, well, what's, he shouldn't be doing that, he should be doing this, he should be doing X, he should be doing Y. And I think that, you know, but I think that Clavin, it's marked that. And I think that's the also the other thing it is as a sign that is of a sign that is confidence that yeah. is comfortable at home that trusts his teammates that knows he's only got one up front but also knows he's only one up front one he's not very good two his teammates are thirty yards away from him so even if I do cock it up a little bit it's going to have to be a big mistake for you know for us not to be able to sort of regroup in this situation and I think you can see that with the defending I think they are defending like a side who don't expect to concede at home who are def- doing a lot of the defending in the middle third again they're not doing a lot of the defi- defending in the final third they're doing a lot of it in the middle third and that's why I think you get being able to see them defend as aggressively and with the confidence that you get that's like Neil said we've said this before that especially Klopp and Guardiola the way that they play is such on a tightrope that when it works it's an absolute nightmare to play against and that's why you can be so defensively strong but the problem you've got with that is because of the, it being a tightrope a tightrope's a tightrope so when it doesn't quite go well the amount of pressure you put on your goalkeeper your centre halves you hold them in field players, your fullbacks is immense. It's much greater than the pressure on a Conte side or a Benitez side or a Mourinho side. Now it's not their sides I don't think are as effective with and without the ball when Klopp and Guardiola get things right and it's interesting that a lot of the time with Guardiola and Klopp you're about consistency and executing on the on the pitch what they want on, on the, and see on the training pitch because that's their focus and I think you know in reference to Clavin I think it's interesting when you get a player of that age that hasn't played you know for a massive European club because to him you know some players I'm not saying in the Liverpool squad but there are Premier League players who've refused to come off the bench do you know what I mean because they're missing a win bonus or whatever it be you know for some people it is just a job and you get the idea with him that I'm in for Swansea Boxing Day he's absolutely delighted and having a few older heads that want to be there and this is amazing and are happy to not play happy to come in you know it's interesting that he's the one not being rotated I suspect because he's made of rock but also without being disrespectful he's dispensable if he pulls a groin and is out for three weeks now Matip's back, it's not the end of the world. You've got Gomez, you've got Matip, you've got Lovren. So if I'm Klopp, especially with Matip and Lovren's record, I am potentially risking Clavin because he's probably unlikely to get injured. And if he does, it's not the end of the world for me. So that's why in this period he's playing. His passing's inconsistent. I thought last night was a lot better. Yeah. Other, other end of the pitch then. Um, we score a third. Mo Salah is instrumental in it. It's his assist. Firmino in the right place at the right time. We say that without even thinking. Cheeky he's... finish, like looking the wrong way. I mean, fair enough. He's six yards out to be fair. We'll come on. We'll come on to talk about the sheer, the sheer goal is that this Roberto <laughs> Firmino as a footballer. Um, 
other end of the pitch, Carl, we get a third and a fourth. The, the fourth, I mean, people are excited by Trent getting his first league goal. We, we can talk about that in a bit. Um, but the, the fourth is another Liverpool counter-attacking masterclass. And in particular, it's, it's, it's exemplar of, of Salah on the break. Um, we've seen this a lot in recent weeks. In fact, throughout the season, we're talking all the time about his goals, 21 goals. But quietly, he's... It's not just the raw assist statistic, it's where he assists the assist. We saw it twice against Brighton, where he carries the ball at pace, at close control to his feet, and the final pass is giving the, the, the score virtually an open goal. Yeah. It reminds me, and I don't think we've had a player quite carry the ball up the field like this since Steve McManaman, in a way. Yeah, um, yeah very similar, yeah. And, I, you know, I think it's just time to sort of take time out to talk about how he contributes as a team player as much as anything. Well, I think that's also a part of what we were talking about before of... That's he, he, that's why you put you put two men on him or three men. I think yeah. I think that's why you do it because I think he's he, he's so quick, he's really quick with his feet. I think that's really underrated about his passing ability and the, the way he passes the ball, particularly Coutinho for the first goal. But I think that's just part of his play in general. I just think he just brings so many people to him that he's gonna leave. You know, Firmino, for example, on his own and six yards out. And thanks very much. I'll look the other way because um, he can do it at that place. But um, I think that's a really under, underrated part of his game that you know not many people talk about because you just think about the goals, don't you, and the pace and what have you, and the great hair and things like that. And, <laughs> um, but I, I think that's that it's a, he's, he's much more around a player than people think. People think just finishing and pace, that's most Salah, that's his job. He scores the goals, etc. But the work he does for the others, not as much as a man we're going to come on to, I imagine, but it's, it's, it's just phenomenal. And he must be brilliant to play with because you just think, well... They're leaving Coutinho alone because they've got two men on Mo Salah and he's still getting them the ball. That's a phenomenal thing. That's an ideal forward line for me. I wonder whether he might. Sorry, Rob, I wonder whether he might. If he's looking to rotate for me and or give him a break, I just wouldn't be surprised, especially if Mane's in good nick, that you see Salah maybe play central, especially away from home in, in 2018 with maybe Mane right, the likes of Coutinho left. Um, you know, he's strong, he's got quick feet. I think if he's going to play that right-hand side role, his movement's going to have to people are going to double up, treble up and it doesn't matter whether, you know, it was Michael Owen and his Pomp McManaman. They had to go through a process where things got harder and it sometimes got a lot harder and mm. they had to, to figure that out. And I think with Salah, you know, he's kind of reverse running, kind of, if he wanted to go long, he's going to have to start coming short and spin rather than just going, I'm dead fast. So yeah. I just want to go in behind here. Yeah. I think, you know, early in games... He's still trying to get onto his left foot all the time, which I can understand. I think he's going to have to just, whether he likes it or not, just taking people on the outside mm. just to put doubt into players' minds. He did it yesterday, didn't he? Cause the managers a few problems. And I think, I also think that, you know, they might just start lining up, even if it's a five, ten minutes, line up with everyone in a different sort of shape. <laughs> you know, put Salah on the left, just put that bit of doubt into opposition teams because a huge part of their plan now. I think Firmino is much more difficult to stop. And I, and I, for a number of reasons, just purely that whose job do you want it to be? And and even in a game at 100 mile an hour, the c- communication between centre backs and centre midfielders is always going to be difficult to figure out who picks up Firmino. And I think you know with Salah, it'll be really interesting to see how he develops now because he, he's a, he's a marked man, isn't he? In terms of how people are going to want to stop yeah. him. And, and we've seen in the past players have to go through that phase where things get tougher for them, and then they come out the other way. It'll be interesting to see. It's a bit like. Um, you know, a cat and dog in a way. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of, does Salah keep up with modifying his game and keeping up with with what people are trying to do to stop him, or do people start finding out the ways to cut the supply and cut his room? It happened with Barnes a lot as well. 
Barnes and Lays, exactly the same thing happens where basically they start to double up on them. And we had, they had the same issue because basically you've just left Peter Bailey on his own in a number 10 hole. Yeah. So thanks. Well, also, we've we that all day. We were but, saying but this on another show. Thing. He, he just changed it. it. Is, yeah. it's, very, it's very hard to find a way around the Mosala problem if you're an opposition manager because he actually can play every, every, not just every position, but every sort of role within the position yeah. as well. You can play the predator. You know, there's, there's talk about, well, he's played, he's played centrally, but he's played sort of behind Firmino or running off Firmino. Um, at Roma, he was often the fulcrum. He was the centre forward. And I agree with you, Sean. I think when Firmino gets a rest, I think he's had a look at Solanke. And Solanke is doing bits and pieces, but uh, but I would still say he, he wouldn't be a first pick. And Neil, it's interesting that I think from right, uh, after the fourth goal, it's all nearly Salah's last contribution. Klopp's able to make the changes. We're seeing the rotation within games being possible with the way Liverpool take game, uh, games away from sides, aren't we? Yeah, and that's also the other reason why I was desperate to keep Emery Chan on, was that he's, I think he's almost thinking, listen, I'm, not, I'm almost not that worried if you've received a contact injury. I'm more worried about being able to manage... Uh, manage the length of time and the point at which we keep players getting to the red and where they could begin to get a little bit wounded it wouldn't surprise me for instance if Chan doesn't actually feature against Leicester because of whatever it is that he got that knocked him off the boil mm. but the idea for, for, for Klopp is listen you're on the pitch and running around I don't want to waste a sub on you I've already got Milner marked to give Robertson a rest I want to do that one because I'm putting a lot on Andy Robertson at the minute and I'd like him not to have to do the last 20 and I think he's also thinking I don't want to lose a sub don't take a sub off me because I want to take these two lads off yes absolutely I want to take Firmino and sell it off and I think I think it's really difficult I think we're now getting closer and closer and, I, and hopefully we're getting closer and closer to be able to have the proper conversation about the almost spiritual importance of Firmino to this Liverpool team and I think it's because it's the best thing in the world to be able to say to Salah to Mane to Coutinho you know firstly he's your mate he's doing all this for you but also you've got to work as hard as that lad works that's the model of the story. You've got to work as hard as that. He's the number nine, and you've got to work as hard as him. And I think it does enormous credit to everyone the way in which Salah just rolls Firmino in. Salah could more than happily think, listen, I'm trying to be top scorer here. I'm going to try and bend this past this goalkeeper he's, as, he, as he's on rushing, but he doesn't. He's, he's, he's doing for Firmino what Firmino, he knows Firmino would try to do for him. Yeah. And I think that Firmino defines... Firmino's outlook, and again, we can talk. We're talking. We're all worried we're going to lose Coutinho at some point in the next two windows, and hopefully, if we if it isn't either of them, it's the second one. But for Coutinho, you know, he's playing with this 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 fella, who to me at times just looks like he wants Coutinho to enjoy himself and really love his footy. It genuinely appears to be the way in which he plays the game. Uh, Firmino, he wants to try to bring Coutinho into mm. into the game in areas where he can hurt opposition sides. He's he's so willing to do work for Mane and for Salah and for the midfielders behind him. How can you not work if your number nine does all this? How can you not put it in if he's putting all that in? In the same way that, for instance, going back to the mid-80s Liverpool side, how dare you not run if Ian Rush is doing all that running? If you, you're looking up the pitch and all you can see is Ian Rush sprinting round, and what, Ian Rush is carrying you? Lads, you should be carrying Ian Rush. He's caused 50 goals in a season. You should be carrying Ian Rush. Ian Rush shouldn't be carrying you. And I think that the extent to which, like it's, as I say, he's almost like the spiritual leader of this side. And no wonder Klopp's doing interviews afterwards where he's saying, I almost just don't know how I take him out. Yeah. Because to take him out takes so much of the essence of what all this team does. How how can I do that? Because he, he, he defines so much of what the team does well. So many people are like, I mean, football's serious in it and so many players and everyone in it are dead serious. And I think you look at your Fowlers, your Suarez's and things like that, ignoring their you know, unique footballing ability. They just look like they're having a really good time, but that doesn't sacrifice... Their their work rate and you just get the idea that to have someone in your dressing room that's a really good player 
who then works dead hard, yeah. but also looks like, the, I mean, you know, believe allegedly Firmino is quite good on a nice house. Um, and yeah. at the right times, completely, I believe that he does like a good Liverpool night out, so good, you know, fair, you know, a kind of Molby fashion. Yeah. Um, He's a good guy to be around, and you can tell from everything that seems to come out that he seems to be a bit of glue in the side, I'd imagine. Um, and you can just see, you know, celebration last night and everything. Yeah, just, yeah. He just seems a very positive character. Yeah. I mean, he's the definition yeah. of effervescent. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's the perfect word for him, and, I, and that's what's so impressive. And, and I'm pleased the manager took the opportunity to sub him last night. I think he's got to start him against Leicester. I think Burnley's its own weird, separate challenge where maybe he can have a think about it, but then I think he's got to start him against Everton as well, because I think you actually saw when, when Solanke did start against Everton, you saw the, the limitations you saw what a what a work a work the familiar the, the thing where people say he gets damned just with the work rate thing. My thing is Solanke did not not work hard against Evan. Solanke worked really hard against Evan, but he was a work. It was a workman like performance. Firmino's performances are so rarely now workman like. It's not like you're just coming away going well. He worked really hard. You're talking about all the other stuff, and then you're going, "Oh my god, he didn't have work hard." The good thing about the changes last night as well is, you know, in Solanke. Um, and Lana, you're bringing on players who aren't just going to go through the motions. You know what I mean? The, yeah. the rest of the team are going right. Games won. We've got big games ahead. Need yeah. to put the handbrake on a little bit here and nurse through. Whereas if you're Lana and Solanke, you've been watching that going, get me on, get me on. I can yeah. sniff a goal here. I can sniff a chance here. Even Oxley Chamberlain's going, I can, I can sniff a goal here. Yeah. So all of a sudden, you're just maintaining that kind of hunger whilst resting plays. I feel, I was going to make this point, but listening to all of us talking about this, listening to my own voice and your voices, I think we're often guilty of damning Firmino with faint praise. We're often talking about his, his inwest, things like his infectious personality, his work rate. If someone had never seen him play and they were trying to imagine this footballer, they wouldn't get Carl, what he, act, what he is beyond those things, which is one of the most technically gifted footballers I've ever seen. His yeah. incredible uh, technique. And now scoring at, an, at the rate of an elite striker, a goal every 1.2 well, games, 16 goals, up there with the Agueros and the Canes. The, and the perfect example of that is we haven't talked about his first goal. What a finish that is. Yeah. What a finish that is. I, I, I that's an Ian Rush finish. Yeah, and I've completely forgotten about it until now. <laughs> that's, that's not easy. That's, that's, sorry, I was, trying, I was trying to remember it then. Yeah, and the bad post is yeah. an incredible finish. How's yeah. he doing that? I mean, I'm thinking, you know, is that the keeper's fault? But no, it's just because I can do that from here, from that sort of ball. And where the defence workers, God knows what was going on with them, but that was just a hell of a finish. And you're right, he's, he's, he can just do incredible things. But um, but if you talk about things like you talk about Coutinho, because he can just do because he's you know he's magical. But but so is Firmino in so many ways. I've got I've got this theory that Firmino is Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool because that's exactly what Jurgen Klopp wants 100%. That's exactly what he wants. I want you to do all the good stuff. I want you to work yourself stupid doing it, and I want it to be fun. Yeah, and, yeah. I, I, and I think he's all of those things. Yeah. I, th- I think the most important thing for this side, and I think you get to see it, and I take your point completely, Rob, about the subs, but even then what happens post the subs is, and, and that's why Alexander-Arnold's goal is also significant, it is this idea of enjoying your football and relaxing. And I think for as long as possible, this manager, this season, we saw it last season, you can't always enjoy your football and relax. Liverpool dog the way last month and a half, two months towards that fourth place finish. They really do. They, work, they pull the socks up. Each of them has a look at each other and they go out and they scrap. They scrap every game. And the, the Stoke away game is almost your marker point. Mm. From that game onwards, <laughs> yeah. they absolutely, you know, it, it is no battle of laughs, arguably up until the point that Sturridge goes through one-on-one at West Ham. At no point is anyone particularly enjoying any of this. Even Emre Chan 
banks the goal of the season over a kick and then he's got to get through 70 minutes of horrible work at Watford on a <laughs> yeah. Monday night yeah. when no one's playing well Watford was horrible it was horrible, was horrible West Brom away was horrible West Brom away yeah. was horrible yeah. it was horrible really yeah. I mean, yeah. enjoying the relief yeah. Yeah. They were the, all, well, even the final day against Middles was horrible 44 minutes exactly and I think that's the most important thing I think for this season is that he's got to find a way to keep them enjoying themselves as much as possible and playing relaxed football because the thing about that goal is a key goal the Firmino goal but the technique in the free kick, the delivery, it's almost into, you almost can't defend it. And then the finish. And both of those things, it's like they're playing their own game. It's like they're playing somewhat, you know, it's like they're playing kids footy or something like yeah. that. And yeah. I think that the more, he needs to keep them, I think, expressing themselves, relaxed, enjoying it. It's why we need the Arsenal's not to happen. It's why, we, you know, it'd be nice to get in a little run here. Yeah. It'd be nice to be the side that beats Man City. Uh, to be honest, it would be nice to be the side, be the side that beats Man City early January and creates a little bit of a buffer because I think that this side can... I think this side can cruise to second, but I think it can end up doing its own head into sixth. Yeah. And, 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 and I think that the more it stays cruised, the better off we'll be. Yeah, I think the key thing he's got to do is, uh, you know, not just now and, and, and through the next few transfer windows, is none of those players would be as good if they didn't have players making the room for them, like we've said. So as much as Salah and Mane want to run over the top, Coutinho and Firmino want it generally, not always, but generally into feet and want to hurt you in front of the back four. And it poses, forget coaches, it poses players at 100 mile an hour massive problems. Now, Naby Keita, and I think Oxlade-Chamberlain, and potentially Trent, are showing they've got the ability to kind of make that third man run to actually to, to add to that threat breaking the lines because you're not really getting it from Wijnaldum you're not going to get it from Henderson, Milner, Chan players who play in those kind of roles so I think if Firmino had an injury or was out the team that's why I think looking at that squad as it is now I think Salah will play the number nine role in a completely different way, which is fine. But I think that's why they need to make, and I think the try-in is to make Solanke Firmino's little protege, where even if he's not got the same ability and goal-scoring rate, if he can actually do the positional stuff, the team stuff in that way, that helps. And I think if we do lose Coutinho, whether it's a midfielder or a wide man, they've got to try and find someone that is never going to be as good as Phil, but has that ability to just hurt you in between the lines because that's why the opposition teams are struggling in midfield and with the back four to go, well, you know, imagine us, us four here. I'm going, I don't want to be chasing Salah and Manny. I'm looking to defend as deep as I want and our gaffer's probably telling us to do that. But then if your midfield are going, I'm getting sucked out, I've got these guys around me, I'm having it hard, you sort of get tempted to squeeze up that little bit and to try and fill all these voids is really, really difficult. So I think rather than the individual players, the kind of the mixture that he's put together there of different traits, if you want to move the players around or lose those players, I just think it's important that he keeps as many of those those factors there to continue this going. Now, bringing this this conversation round on itself, I mean, a 5-0 scoreline is a 5-0 scoreline. Another reminder that this is ultimately a Liverpool side in rude health, a Liverpool side that's good. It's a sign of the times that we do our heads in having having secured a draw at Arsenal, considering that our, our last crisis. But, but we're able to absolutely obliterate teams without anyone really blinking at the moment, and that's... That that's a sign, I think, that we're we're moving to within sight of City as the as the second best team in the league. In theory, as you said a minute ago, it needs it needs a bit more focus. I think well, it needs the points on the board, and I think that that becomes. I think it's really. I I want this club and this team to win the second to City trophy this season. I think it's important. I think it's important psychologically. I think it's yeah. important to be able to tell the story when you're looking to go into the transfer market next summer. I think it's important to you know to retain the Champions League place. But I also think. Playing and it's one thing to play like the side who are most likely to be able to match City, but it's another thing entirely to also be able to point at a point at a points tally and go right, lads. You just went from seventy six to eighty two. Mm. 
Now your job is to go from 82 to 88. And if in the meantime they're off getting hundreds, then they're off getting hundreds. They're just off getting hundreds and you've just got to cop for that. We've all got to cop. The whole league has got to cop yeah. for that. If they get 100 this year and 100 next year, we've all got to shrug our shoulders and say, you know what, you can't live with that. But what we want to be doing is being able to tell ourselves the story of being the sides who can go from... Who, who, who are the most likely? Who are the ones who, if City falter, we're going to take advantage of it next year? Because I think now, certainly if City go to Newcastle tonight and get all three points, then you know, you're know you in a situation where United are five wins, not five points behind. Chelsea are six wins, not six points behind. And you know, I think it becomes important for us to be able to say, right, this is the march that we're on and we can focus and enjoy our journey. And being able to say that internally in the club, in the in the team, in the dressing room, being able to say it externally amongst the fan base and amongst all of us, and being able to say it externally in terms of to the rest of the world and to transfer targets, then I think that that, you know, there's still a chance. It's mad. I mean, this is a mad little sort of segue, but let's do it. It's crazy that Virgil van Dijk might, might sign for Liverpool ahead of Manchester City. Well, everyone talks about trophies. If players want just trophies, they go and join Glasgow Celtic. Glasgow Celtics would just have the best team in the world because you, you, in 10 years you're going to win probably 40 trophies or something absolutely. It's the context of trophies. Yeah. Players want all sorts. Uh, uh, look, everyone wants the cake and eat it. I mean, if you've got cake, why wouldn't you eat it? But, you know, everyone wants what... You, if you look at a Liverpool player right now, I'm not sure how serious Klopp will take the FA Cup from start to finish. But like Neil said, I think if I'm pitching to a Liverpool sign or to Liverpool players, I'm saying, look, you know, game 30, get to 65 points. That is, ignore what's going on elsewhere and give yourself that running, like that 13, 14 running. And that gives you the opportunity to break 80 points, which we don't do often enough. You know, let's start getting to the last 16, the last eight of the European Cup. And if you do that over five years, at some point the stars can align, potentially, and you get to that big semi and then anything can happen at that Mm. stage. And, you know, I, I think if you get to 65 points, five years running, there's a year when City have their eyes on other things where... Guardiola goes elsewhere. Have they got six injuries? Well, go back. You look at the Chelsea side, 04, 05, and then 05, 06. Going through the 05, 06 team, I'm going, Jesus Christ, for the no, next... No one's ever going to beat these. Yeah, for the next four years, even if they change manager, this is a dynasty that's just... It's never going to be broken. You look at the 88 Liverpool side, people are going, Jesus, and what's going to stop this juggernaut? It adds rush. And then it adds rush the following mm, season. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you've got young players coming through in the 89, 90, 91 seasons as well. Um, it, it, for this Liverpool team, I think they've got to enjoy the journey. And like, and like we, you know, Neil says quite a lot, only one team can win the league. And only one team can win the Champions League. So I think this Liverpool team's got to be, you're going to earn loads of dough, you're going to earn loads on your bonuses, you're going to play an amazing game of football, you're going to enjoy training every day, this is going to be an amazing dressing room, you're still going to play in all the big games, but if you're as good as you think you are, you'll be good enough to help us win a league, you'll be good enough, and that one year in five that you do that is worth three at Man City or... Do you know what I mean? That that kind of scenario. And I, th- I I think this Liverpool team are kind of bought into that you know when we've had a few seasons where the minute we've looked like we can't compete for the title the wheels well, have fallen off I think I just on that just to sort of begin to you know before we look, we look got to look on got an eye on Leicester and an eye on Burnley and their important games and all this but I think what actually I think what actually helps us this season is is that City are so far clear they've been so far clear early in that you almost can't have the moments in mid-January where you go oh no it can't happen this year because we've all had that in mid-October yeah. If we're all honest, you know those those lads are professionals. They're all looking at what's happening. They've got they've been coached and advised by professionals, and they've all had that realization in mid October. 
City have won this. And they've yeah. all played them now. And, and exactly. And yeah. everyone's experienced playing Man City now. Yeah. Everyone's gone through it. Every well, Newcastle last team to get into them tonight. Yeah. Uh, but everyone's gone through it. And and I just think that there's some sort I think that's helped us this year because I think what it's done is it's made everyone go, right, well the target's coming second. And and we're still in that race for second. And I think that, you know, and that and therefore it's a less of a downgrade to go the target's first. Oh no, first can't happen, let's fall off a cliff to seventh. To the target's second. But fourth's all right, boys. And you can keep you can keep motoring on that because not coming second doesn't feel like a dagger to the heart, which in years gone by when we've come close or wanted to come close, it's felt like when it's not worked because of how much the psychological pressure of the whole thing. And I think this side's it's now done enough. You know, we've been saying for ages of oh, Salah's goal return's gonna return to the mean at some point and X, Y, and Z. I think it's now done enough for us to be able to sit here and think they can keep doing this for the for the remainder of this season. They can keep finding ways to put the likes of Swansea to the sword, Bournemouth to the sword. They can keep doing that. They can keep ticking over. They can keep doing that. I don't think we should doubt that now. Um, and I think that they can also, if they need to, dog it. And I'm, you know, I'm confident about us finishing top four. And I th- but I think that the most important thing is not just for the football club. It's not just the idea of scra- scrabbling your way to fourth. It's creating a bit of a buffer. You know, I'd love Arsenal to get beat against Palace. It's creating a bit of a buffer. And being able to, when it comes to February and March, be able to rest people for last eight of the Champions League and last eight of the FA Cup, safe in the knowledge that firstly, the side that you put out in the league should get a win anyway. But secondly, um, it, if it doesn't, if it drops points, well, you've still got a five, six point gap. It doesn't matter. That that Champions League last eight game is as important, if not more important, than ensuring we qualify for it next season because we've created the gap for ourselves. And that's huge for this club. And that's the thing we should be looking to do year in, year out. That's what Sean's talking about. If you're on if you're on play 30, 65 points, yep. that's what you can do year in, year out. Okay, just to, to bring this round on itself, let's have a quick look forward to, to, to the, the Leicester Burnley doubleheader start with you, Carl. I mean the nature, the nature of what Neil's talking about, our ambitions, and, and when what I, and the optimism I, I think I was trying to, to to evoke earlier is that you can look very stupid very quickly when the games come thick and fast. Leicester and Burnley look eminently beatable. They also both look eminently drawable. With to me, well, Burnley are mad, aren't they? Burnley mm. are absolutely mad this season. God knows what's going on. Silly after yesterday when they should have won, uh, and Leicester have, have been on a bit of a run yet, yeah, but but lose to a Watford side without Troy Deeney. So it's just that they're the games that worry me more than anything else because there's, there's nothing natural about their reputation. I don't know what I don't know what they are at the moment. And, and, what do you think the manager is thinking here in terms of maximising the the energy and power of his Liverpool squad? Um, well, the good thing is he's got a full squad now, isn't he? That, apart from you know the off the off the long term ones, but I, I just like the fact that you know if Solanke plays against Leicester, I don't think he will. I think he'll, if, he, if Solanke plays, he can play against Burnley, but. We've got we've got the team. He can basically just pick and change now because uh, because his, his rotation's been so good, you know, and they're all pretty much fitted on about Chan Henderson might be a different issue as well. But I, I just think we can just pick whoever we want for that one. I think that's less of a because the reason I say that because this time last season we had to play we played these eleven lads because we literally had no one else, and you know we had to put kids on the bench. Ben Woodburn's getting on the bench for some games and things like that. And I think now he's he's in a situation where. He can literally just go and manage that one particular game. I think he'll take him individually rather than I've got to save some for Burnley. But I might be wrong about that. But Sean, um, six points. That's what I want. Yeah, <laughs> 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 Sean, uh, Klopp, I think will 
was and will remain scarred by the fact that after, I think, beating City, or maybe it was Stoke, but last, around last Christmas, then 48 hours later he took his Liverpool side to a very weak Sunderland with an expected three points, was unable to make any real changes, any significant ones, and and we finished off dropping points. And it seemed to sort of put a bit of a hole in, in our momentum, really. He's going to be mindful of that, I would have thought, and he will be thinking very clearly how to put out not exactly two separate sides, but, but two sides that can be as potent as each other. Yeah, I, I, I suspect first 60 against Burnley, he's just going to look to, to dog it, I think. I th- I th- and also, remember, we've got all these games. How the hell Burnley, yeah. and to a certain extent Leicester, are going to cope with this? It's mad in that you think, with all these games coming, you think... Is this the right time for Liverpool to be playing games? Well, it's probably the right time to be playing games like that against Burnley, where they're under no real pressure. They can kind of enjoy it. Yes, they'll stick to their game plan and strategy, but getting a point at Manchester United haven't been 2 0 up. They're still going to be positive. Um, it's a dangerous time for Burnley, that potentially. And I, I just wonder whether he says, right, Leicester, we go big, we go strong, and maybe away at Burnley, you can put Solanke in. Um, you can maybe throw Mane in for that game. You can maybe go, right, do you know what? I'm going to have a strong bench. We could still win. The, I'm going to be really strong at the back and in centre midfield. I wouldn't be surprised if you see a more robust midfield than maybe we've seen, like Henderson, Milner, Wijnaldum, something like that against Burnley. Um, and I think we can obviously be much more creative at home. And you go, look, the cavalry's on the bench if we need it. And, and I think... I, in games where you have, I've had games before where we've been really, you know, I've had two games in like two days before. And you just need your goalie and your defence to be strong and your holding midfield to be strong. Because really, whatever you do with your attacking players, if they all stick to the game plan and work hard, that shouldn't make you concede goals at the end of the day. So I think you can have your attacking talent on the bench and go, look, do me a job against Leicester. You get your break for Burnley. If we're winning, sound, might not use you. But if I'm not, I just need 20 from you. I need half an hour from you. And, 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 and you can do it that way. And I suspect that's how we're going to try and manage these two completely, games. I completely agree with that. I would be looking to go, Leicester, I'd be looking to go as close to unchanged as uh, from the pre, from um, from the game, the Boxing Day game against Swansea as possible. And there's loads of reasons why. One is I'd rather have Gomez right back at Burnley, to be honest with you, because if you play, if you play Trent yeah. right back at Burnley, you might as well put a great big massive target on his back. Yeah, yeah. We know what they're going to do and you know exactly how they're going to try and do it. So I'd rather not put the lads in that position. I'd rather say, right, you're playing the two homes and sorry, Joe, you're going to go and get elbowed loads by Ashley Barnes. You're just going to have to cope with it. Yeah. That's yeah. what's going to happen to you. He's got more elbows than any other human alive. Um, the new I, Kevin Davis. Yeah, it's... That's what he's going to do to you. It wouldn't surprise me if he changes the goalkeeper for Burnley, mm-hmm. uh, in that he has the idea in terms of mental focus. You're just getting through these ones. And then I think you might well see, it wouldn't surprise me if, if he makes one change for Leicester. It wouldn't surprise me if he goes, if he goes Matip and Lovren for Leicester. And then he brings Clavin back in, which, with, with, with whichever of them, once they've had a look, they feel as though he's got the fitness to go into yeah. the next one. And then across the board, I think it's from three. It wouldn't surprise me if it's from three of Burnley as Mane, Solanke and Oxlade-Chamberlain. I reckon he will give you a lot of money. A lot of money for it to be Mane, Mane Oxlade-Chamberlain and Sturridge. Yeah. I reckon he'd love to be able to just drop Daniel back in for that one and say, Daniel, go and win us this game. 100%. You, to, to Mane and, and Sturridge, almost get, they almost get their own team talk. Boys, your job here is to win us this game. Yeah, yeah. And then he does do what Sean says. Again, wouldn't even surprise me if you see a Marco Grubic dropped in from nowhere centre-mid against Burnley in terms of just stiffing some sinews. And if Henderson is fit for Leicester, again, wouldn't surprise me if he has the attitude of, you might be fit for Leicester, Jordan, but you're going to hang on because you're going to get the 90 for me against Burnley. I need you for the 90 minutes against Burnley. You're getting Adam Lallana in all this, aren't we? And I think that Lallana comes in for Burnley. I, don't think, I think he gets another 20 minutes off the bench against Leicester yeah, in an enough. ideal world. I think it's got Darby. I, th- I think he gets his first start against Everton. Yeah, and that wouldn't surprise me either. Mm. 
But I think, but I think that that's the approach, and I think it will be seven, eight changes between Leicester and Burnley. But I, I just look to keep this side together again. Uh, one more go for this one, and then, and then you go from there. And it might end up being a big ask of Oxley Chamberlain, but it might well be that he gets, he's the one who gets subbed on sixty against Leicester if all is going to plan, or even if it's not, with one eye on right, you're playing right, you're playing on either flank for me against Burnley because it's you, Mane, and either Solanke or Sturridge. And I, I, I'd be right behind that. I think that this is, I think that's the way to do it. I th- and I think almost to see Burnley as its own mad thing, where no matter what you do anyway, listen, we should put 11 players out who are better than theirs, no matter what happens. Mm. But it's what they do. They drag you down by creating all these pitch battles all over the pitch. So the, the instructions are straightforward. It's lads, if you just win your battles, we should be all right. But your battles are going to be, it's going to be the most horrible 90 minutes you play all season. Get ready, boys. This is going to be horrific. Because that's what it's going to be. I'll give my tuppence worth before concluding. Um, I think there's one or two approaches, so I'll hedge my bets. One is to go as, to do what you both Sean and you, Neil, I think Carl is saying as well, to go as strong as possible. It's a four or five-day break, isn't it? Four-day yeah. break till the next game. You can do that and just treat Burnley as a wild card and, and, and test the real the strength within the squad. The, the other approach is to actually reprise this side against Burnley and go slightly weaker against Leicester because you'll have given this side the bones of it uh, the, the fuller seven days. But we shall see. It's been a really interesting review show. I think we've encompassed a lot of issues. We've put the four football world to rights in many ways. We've even made the goals bigger. Thank you very much, Carl. Thank you very much, Sean. Thank you very much, Neil. This has been The Review Show. So that's it, our review show, with a little bit more on top. Obviously, we wanted to take a look uh, at what was going on there. I uh, hope you very much enjoyed Rob, Carl, Sean, and myself. Uh, I know I had a lovely time doing that show, and as I say, we're looking to do about 16 shows a week for you at the minute on the Anfield Wrap. About 12 of them are tour player shows. If you have been considering it, please do, do uh, use this opportunity to sign up. Theanfieldwrap.com forward slash subscribe. Sports Social Podcast Network.